This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. We are going to begin our reading at verse 28 and then read through the end of this chapter. Romans 8, beginning at verse 28. What we hear now is God's word. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to take your Trinity Psalter hymnal once again and turn to the back section, to page 872 in the back. This is the Heidelberg Catechism, and this morning we'll be looking at Lord's Day 1. Uh, we have the two question and answers listed there. I will read the questions and ask you to respond together with the answers. So from page 872, Lord's Day 1, question 1, what is your only comfort in life and in death?
Question two, how many things must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? This morning, we are beginning a new series of sermons on the basics of the Christian faith, the truth that is given to us in the words of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Heidelberg Catechism is a summary of Christian truth. And uh, Whenever we begin a series like this, a series which is probably going to take us uh, 18 to 24 months to complete, I think it's important to remind ourselves of the value of confessional preaching. We preach the word of God as it's found in the confessions of the church. I know that there are churches that are non-confessional. But there is value to having confessions. One of the things that confessions do is they unite us together with other believers. We share the same understanding of the basic truths of Scripture. Which is why the confessions of the United Reformed Churches are sometimes referred to as the three forms of unity. These unify us. They give us something that we can circle around and say, yes, this is true. The confessions unite us with other true believers. The confessions also distinguish us from others. The confessions help others to know what it is that this church believes. Now, certainly, if you ask any church worthy of the name church, what is it you believe? They will say, well, we believe the Bible. Yes, of course, absolutely. But what do you believe about the Bible? And what do you believe the scriptures teach about God? who he is, about his work as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, about Jesus Christ, what he has done for us, about the nature of the church, about our response of faith. What do you believe? The confessions help to flesh out our understanding of the truth of Scripture. We are more than a Bible church. We are also a confessional church. And And the confessions demonstrate the Catholicity of the church. Now, kids, Catholicity is a big word. Catholicity just means that the church is of all times and all places. That's what Catholicity means. The church is of all times and of all places. The confessions link us to the past. The confessions link us with truth that has been handed down throughout the years. We don't need to find all the answers to all the questions by ourselves. But we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us and can glean from their wisdom as to what the truth of the Word of God is. The confessions link us to the past. And they give us a heritage for the future. This is why we teach 
the confessions to our children. I have the great pleasure of teaching our high school catechism class. To pass along these glorious truths to the next generation and the next generation and the one after that. So that in a certain sense, it does not matter who is in the pulpit. But we know that the word of God as understood in the Reformed Confessions will continue to be proclaimed Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day. The confessions serve as a, as a guide, as a fence to keep us true to the word of God. Now I know the most common objection to confessional preaching. Well, you're just preaching the words of man. You're just preaching the words of man. The confessions are the words of man. And there is no question that confessions are the words of men. But, but, but to say that is not a really authentic statement. Yes, they are the words of men. They are the words of men who have given themselves to the study of Scripture. The words of men who recognize the final authority of the Word of God and that the words they have written do not have ultimate authority, they have derived authority. An authority that comes from God's word. They are a faithful reflection of the word of God. They are the word of God put in a systematized form, as we'll see as we go through the catechism. Which is why I like how our own church order describes confessional preaching. Ministers of the gospel are to preach the word as summarized in the three forms of unity. We are called to preach the word as it's summarized in the three forms. I had the great privilege of growing up in a Reformed church and went to catechism class as a high schooler. And so to, to return to this series once again is something like returning to an old friend. Something that is well known the catechism is warm. The catechism is personal. Now, some of you come from other confessional traditions. And I went to a seminary, Westminster Seminary, where there were other confessional traditions present. And there are other confessional traditions that are beautiful academically, incredibly precise, perhaps arguably even more precise than the Heidelberg Catechism. But in the Heidelberg, there is a certain warmth it is a personal document. It begins, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the beautiful answer, that we belong to God. That's personal. That's intimate. There's a warmth there. We belong to God. This morning we look at Romans chapter 8. For many of us, this is also like returning to an old friend. Romans 8, 28. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. The beautiful truth that God is intimately working in the life of his people because we belong to him. So we begin this morning a rather extended study of the word of God as summarized in the Heidelberg Catechism.
Paul says this in verse 38, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am sure of this, Paul says. I know this to be true. This is the comfort the Apostle Paul had. This is the comfort the Apostle Paul gives. A complete comfort. I know that this is the case, he says. And he says, it's a matter of my knowledge. It's a matter of my head. I know these things to be true. And that's echoed in the second question of Lord's Day 1. How many things must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? How many things must you know? There is a sense in which the the confession gives us this head knowledge of God, which is the root, the source of our comfort. A head knowledge that, that also is experiential. It is also a heart knowledge. That which we live. Our knowledge, our surety, for I am sure, directs how we feel. Directs our knowledge that, yes, God is there. He is comforting me. I do belong to him and so have that comfort. And it is is this knowledge which is our only comfort in life and in death. The confession doesn't ask, uh, you know, what is a comfort in life and in death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And so often we try to find comfort in other places. We try to find comfort in the things that we have. And so we amass lots of things. This is where I find my comfort. Or we find comfort in things that we do. I can accomplish these various things. Paul reminds us our comfort is in belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. The comfort is not in who we are. The comfort is in whose we are. We belong to him. And so we need not look for any other comfort in this life. Knowing we belong to Jesus Christ is sufficient for the child of God. We belong body and soul in life and in death. Of course, that does not mean, simply belonging to Christ does not mean that things will always be easy for us. And Paul addresses that as well. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And Paul knew these hardships. Paul knew tribulations. He knew persecution. He knew distress. He knew danger. But he says, in spite of that, I know whose I I belong to. I know whose I am. I belong to God. This confession does not mean things will always be easy. I belong body and soul. When we, are, when we are physically ill, when we are dealing with ongoing diseases, we still have comfort because we know we belong to God. When we are hurting inside, when we are anxious, when we are afraid, we, we still know we belong to God. 
this confession that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ gives us assurance, gives us hope, gives us comfort in times of trial in this life and the life to come. We know we belong. We belong not because of anything we have done, but we belong because of the love of God the Father for his people. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We receive the gift of this comfort because of God's love for us. A God who Paul reminds us foreknew us and predestined us. A God who foreknew us. The fact that we belong did not occur when we recognized the truth and the glory of Jesus Christ. It was before that. The fact that we belong is not based on our doing something. It is based on what God has done. He foreknew us. What does that mean, kids? God foreknew. It means to know ahead of time. God knew before you were born that you would be his. Even God knew, according to Ephesians chapter 1, before the world was born that you would be his foreknown by God the Father, foreknown in his love that you would be predestined, determined to be his very own. That's the, the assurance that we have. Not that one day I love the Lord and the next day I don't love him as much so maybe I'm, I don't belong anymore. God chose. God chose. He foreknew, he predestined, and those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he predestined, he also called. We were brought under the preaching of the gospel. We came to recognize the glories of Jesus Christ. Now, for some of us, that happened very early in life. Like I said, I had the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home and attending church every Lord's Day. And some of you children have that same blessing. You will grow up and you will say, I never knew a day when I didn't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I never knew a day when I was not his. What a glorious blessing. Some God calls very early. Some, he calls later in life. This too is a blessing because it is in his time. He doesn't leave us in our sinful folly. 
He doesn't leave us in our sinful ways to continue to live a life of futility. But in God's perfect timing, he calls to the preaching of the gospel and, 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 and opens our hearts to hear that call and respond to that call. This too is a blessing. Whether God calls us early or whether he calls us later is a blessing to belong. Those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. This too is part of God's gift of love to us. We have been justified. Again, that's kind of a big word, kids. Justified means we are told we are not guilty. We are declared to be not guilty before God. That's what justified means. We are declared to be not guilty in spite of the fact that we are guilty. We know our sin, we know our fallenness, we know our weaknesses, and in spite of our fallenness, God, for the sake of his son Jesus Christ, declares us to be that which we are not. He declares us not guilty. Now how can God do that? Because he declares Jesus Christ that which he is not. Jesus Christ is perfect. Jesus Christ is righteous. But God says, I will take all of this guilt and lay it upon you. I will declare you who are innocent to be guilty. That I can declare the guilty as innocent. We have been justified as a gift of God. Grounded in the work of Jesus Christ. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. God will continue this glorious work. And Paul here in this, uh, in this sequence, he says, called and justified and glorified. And he uses the past tense even for glorification, even though that's in the future. Why does he call it a past tense thing? Because it is so certain. Because Paul knows it's going to happen. Because God will not lose one of his own. We belong body and soul in life and in death. We shall be glorified when taken to be with this wonderful God. A God who expresses his love for us. A God who has purposed his love for us and who accomplishes that purpose through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 32 of our text he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Jesus Christ is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus Christ has died. He, he went to the cross. He died to pay the debt for our sin. To pay the debt we could not pay. Nothing we could do to atone for ourselves. Our confession says he has fully paid for all of our sins with his precious blood. The purpose of God accomplished in his son Jesus Christ and his death. He died more than that. Who was raised? 
who was given new life again. A picture. A picture of our new life in Christ. Freedom from the bondage of sin. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. I don't belong to Satan. I belong to God because of the work of Jesus Christ. He who is seated at God's right hand, Jesus Christ right now, ruling and reigning over all creation, watching, guiding, directing. Our confession says, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. The ongoing work of Christ in his reign, watching over us, guiding us, and protecting us. And Paul reminds us, and he is the one who intercedes for us. Intercession means prayer, kids. It means Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. That's what he does. He prays for us on our behalf. When we are, when we are unable to get the words out of our mouths, when we are so discouraged and depressed, we, stand, we say, I can't even pray. Christ knows our hearts and by the Spirit brings those prayers to God. Our confession says all things must work together for my salvation. Reference in Romans chapter 8. Jesus Christ prays for us. And because of this, because of this glorious determination of God the Father accomplished by God the Son, we can live knowing we belong and rejoicing in God. From verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We of all people have reason to live a triumphant life because of what God has done. Because God has determined us to be his own, he has predestined us, and in perfect time Christ came and paid for all of our sins and gave us new life. We have every reason to be joyful, to live a triumphant life because of what God has done. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Even the difficulties, even the hardships God brings into our life for our good. That's our confession. That's this, the familiarity of this text, even in times of trial. We know that God is working his purposes out because we belong to him. He says in verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. We live the victorious life, not proud or arrogant because of anything we have done, but this gift we have received, knowing knowing that in Christ we have the victory over sin. Living this victorious life, our confession says, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Willing and ready to live for God. Loving God, loving our neighbor, pursuing that which will be pleasing to him. This is the life of the child of God, because we belong. We belong to him. Praise God. He is our only comfort in life and in death. 
We belong to him because of the work of the Father accomplished by the Son. And this, this, this same truth is for all who find themselves in Jesus Christ. He is the one who this morning calls to you. If you do not have this type of comfort in your life, if you do not know what it is to belong, then hear the call of God. Humble yourself before Jesus Christ. Embrace him as your Lord, as your Savior. And know the glory, know the victory of belonging to him. That you too can say with the church of God, praise God, we belong. Let's pray together. Lord our God, we thank you for the beauty of your word given to us in Romans chapter 8. A beautiful text that encourages us, that comforts us, that strengthens us. Lord God, we thank you for your purposes worked out in history. We thank you for the work of your son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. We thank you that we belong to you, body and soul, in life and in death. May that glorious truth, O oh God, encourage us, strengthen us, walk with us in the week to come, that we can know all things work together because of your good purpose. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen.